0: catch speedsters, a state police officer (laughs) saw a car puttering along at 22 miles per hour. He thinks to himself, that car is just as dangerous as a speeder. So he turns his lights on, pulls the car over. Approaching the car, he notices there are five old ladies, two at the front and three in the back, wide-eyed and looking white as ghosts. The driver, obviously confused. Officer, I don't understand. I wasn't driving over the speed limit. What seems to be the problem? Ma'am, he said, you should have known that driving slower than the speed limit can be dangerous too. Slower than the speed limit? No, sir, I was doing exactly 22 miles an hour. The old woman said proudly. The officer contained a chuckle and explained that 22 was the root number. not the speed limit. <laughs> a bit embarrassed, the woman grinned, thanking the officer for pointing out her error. Now before I go, ma'am, I have to ask, is everyone okay? These The women in your car, they look badly shaken. They haven't uttered a word all, the, all this time. She said, oh, they'll be alright in a minute, officer. We just got off of Route 142. <laughs> It's God. Ignorance sometimes is bliss. (laughs) All right. I want to look at a a few verses. Proverbs 14, verse 30. It's good to laugh, isn't it? Man, there's rejoicing going on in heaven, I can tell you that. Proverbs 14, verse 30. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the body. To the bones, a sound heart is life to the body. The word "sound" there means to be cured, uh, proper, delivered, wholesome, yielded, yielding, healed. The Amplified version says this: A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. So, what what is going on? Whatever's going on in our hearts affects our physical bodies. We sang about uh, how the 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 uh, boundaries of our life and how God wants to increase. Man, we, they were singing that, and I'm thinking, man, somebody was in my notes because God wants to expand, amen, our our territory, and He wants to enlarge our hearts, and uh, and He says here that that a sound heart or what's going on in your heart will affect your physical body. And so tonight, everybody say tonight. Tonight, we're going to be minister heal, ministering, on, ministering healing. We're going to release healing, but we're going to talk more about what we're, what we're going to share today because there's a strong connection between what's going on in your heart and your physical body. Do you see that? A sound heart is life to the body. Amen? Now, another com- a couple of more companion verses that uh, share, that tell us that. 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. How many of you want to prosper? How many of you want to walk in health? It says just as your soul prospers. Your soul or, or your, uh, is, the, is your mind, will, and emotions. Your spirit is a part of you that's born again. But your soul, if if uh, your mind, will, and emotions is prospering in line with your born-again spirit, when you were born again, that happened in your spirit. Yes? But that didn't automatically change your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Your heart is comprised of your spirit and your soul. Your spirit say I am three parts. Spirit, soul and body. Now we can we know what the body is. The spirit part of you is a part of you that's that, that's born again. It's what happened Salah, to you today. Your spirit man was changed. But now we've got to learn the word of God so that the soulish part of our heart can become in the likeness of our spirit. And then our body We'll we'll walk in health and we'll walk in prosperity. Here, uh, the New International Version says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Is it well with your soul or are the things you've allowed in there that are unChrist-like, that don't line up with your born-again spirit, man. How many of you know that's possible? Here he says, en- envy, uh, and back in uh, Proverbs 14:30, envy, jealousy, anger, those kinds of things, unforgiveness, bitterness. Those things can cause rottenness in your bones. How many of you want healthy bones or, or rotten bones? Healthy bones, rotten bones. Okay. You don't want envy, jealousy, and those things going on in there. Now look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out what, where do the issues of life spring forth from? from? From our heart. Now the word issues here is very interesting. We sang about it this morning. The word issues actually in the Hebrew means borders, boundaries, outgoings, escape. Borders, boundaries, outgoings, escape. Listen, the the borders and boundaries of our lives are set by what's going on in our hearts. What we tolerate in our hearts affects what borders, what boundaries What? What? How far our life can reach out and go out? See, if we allow fear to rule our hearts, we'll never go out and reach other people. If Aubrey had let fear strike her heart and had not gone out, we would we would not have. She would not have reached Salah. Listen, guys. What we what happens in our heart? What we tolerate in our hearts can affect. Our outgoings, it can affect where we go in our lives. It can it sets boundaries, it sets you know borders, it sets limits on us, it puts ceilings on us, or it can take us to our destination, it can take us to the territory that God has for us. How many of you want to how many of you want to fulfill what God has for you? See, the Lord said He's given you and I an inheritance. And look, I don't want to get to heaven and have Him wipe away tears from my eyes for, for part of the inheritance that He's provided me that I didn't open up, that I, that I never went to because of what was going on in my heart. Are you with me? So it's, it's, it's our hearts, guys, that, that, it, that is important. It's huge. And so I want to, I want to begin to talk to you. Uh, the, the title of my message today, today and tonight is just a sound heart. A sound heart. But here's what I want to talk to you about. And, and I want to I share with you the greatest influencing factors of the heart. The greatest influencing factors of the heart. And uh, I'm not going to finish this morning. I'm only going to share one of these for sake of time this morning. But if, if this is true... See, if this is really true, if the Bible's really true and, and the outgoings of my life are limited according to what I tolerate in my heart, then I want to make sure I have a sound heart. I want to make sure I don't tolerate anything in there that's unchrist-like, that doesn't line up with what God has for me because I don't want limits and borders and boundaries on my life that don't line, that, that limit me from what God has for me. Yeah? How many of you want to accomplish everything God has for you? So here are the greatest, lim- the greatest in, uh, influencing factors of the heart. And I'm just going to talk about one this morning. And it's not necessarily in order, but it's, what I'm, it's what's on my heart. Number one is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. There, there is power. I said there's power in Forgiveness. Amen? Look at Ephesians 4, verse 32. And I'll show you and prove that to you. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Everybody say tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. This is powerful. He said that forgiveness tenderizes our heart, it opens our heart up. And then he goes on to say that forgiveness expands the heart's capacity to imitate God. Wow! How many of you want to imitate God? Now, look, in your spirit, when you're born again, you didn't just, when you got born again, you didn't just get forgiven. See, Salah, when you received the Lord, your sins were forgiven. When we received the Lord, our sins were forgiven uh, at the cross of Calvary. But you didn't just get forgiven. You've got His nature on the inside of you. You don't have two natures on the inside of you. You don't have a good dog, bad dog on the inside of you. The cross ran over the bad dog. Amen? But, But see, forgiveness... Forgiveness in in the soulish part of your heart actually tenderizes your heart and expands it to imitate God. Unforgiveness limits the the it puts boundaries and and borders on your heart that, that though you're born again, you are just like God in here, you can't manifest it out here. Forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Wow, that's powerful. I mean, just meditate on that truth alone. Amen? But then look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11. It says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For in, indeed, if I have forgiven anything, I've forgiven uh, that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. It's talking about that man that was you know, living with his stepmother and they, and he, he repented and he's forgiven. He said, lest, verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his devices. Unforgiveness, see forgiveness tenderizes our hearts and allows, gives us a capacity in our hearts to imitate the Father. But unforgiveness gives Satan an advantage over us. I don't like that, do you? Forgiveness or unforgiveness? Which one? Forgiveness or unforgiveness? I don't want to give Satan an advantage, do you? Unforgiveness, guys, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. (laughs) It It contaminates your own soul. In the name of, you're trying to get revenge on that person who's done you wrong. Yeah? Yeah? And you're thinking it's going to do... You you think it's going to be doing, uh, you know, something to the other person and it poisons you. Now, how does unforgiveness start? And I'm just going to kind of give you a a Cliff Notes version here of of the anatomy of unforgiveness. And then we're going to pray for people uh, who've been struggling with this area of your life someone's done you wrong something happened an injustice happened to you you were violated in some way you were abused you were neglected uh, someone, someone did you wrong yeah? okay has that ever happened to anyone here? I'm going to have an altar call for liars in just a moment <laughs> Luke 17, 1, Jesus said... How many of you believe what Jesus says is the truth? He said uh, to his disciples in Luke 17, 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible that no offenses should come. Now listen, is that true? So it's not possible for you to go through life without offenses. Offenses are going to come. Here's the deal. There's, a, there's an all, altogether different uh, distinction between a, an offense coming to you and you becoming offended. An offense coming to you is an event that happens to you. Becoming an offen- offended is not an event that happened to you, it's a decision you make. To hold on to that offense. To hold on, and I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm telling you how unforgiveness takes place in our hearts. It starts with an offense. Somebody did something to you, something somebody did, didn't do something for you that you expected. You had some injustice, some heartache that that visited you. Something happened in life. Can you identify? It disappointed you. You expected more of that person. And 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 then what happened is you didn't process that, okay? By applying the cross to that person's sin against you, how many of you know their sin? Anyone's sin against you could not be possible, uh, possibly any greater than our sin that, that hung Jesus on a cross. Yeah. And but what happens is is we end up magnifying, you know. Other, what other people do to us and, the, and our pain and our loss greater than the cross. If you magnify your pain and your loss greater than the cross, then what you're doing is ex- exalting yourself above Jesus and what He did for you. That's not good. Now I, I've shared this with you before, but I just want to uh, I'm just going to turn to a few verses and then we're going to pray for people, but I, I want you to understand the magnitude, Of what happens when you become offended. In the last days, Jesus said in in Matthew 24, in the last days, verse 10, then many will be what? Offended. Didn't say that. He's now talking about a group of people who allowed themselves to become offended, not just that offenses came, they didn't find grace to forgive. Now, watch the downward spiral of people who become offended. He said, they'll then offense offended, they become offended, then they betray one another, they hate one another. Verse 11, then many false prophets rise. False prophets rise from a place of becoming offended. A false prophet is a true prophet who when an offense came, failed to find forgiveness in his heart, then he betrayed many, then he hated many, then he became a false prophet. You cannot find a false prophet of a cult today that once was saved that didn't, first of all, before they became a false prophet, got offended. And they allowed offense in their heart to take root in their heart. Then it goes on to say they deceived many. Then, the, then law, they, they, they tolerate lawlessness. And then the love of, the love of many grow cold. The, the, this, this downward spiral of becoming offended. How many of you don't want your hearts to go there? That, that's very restrictive. It's very restrictive. It, it starts with an offense where you don't forgive that offense. You become offended. Then you betray. Then you hate. Then you become a false prophet. Then you start deceiving others. You you tolerate lawlessness. And then cold love. I'm not concerned about global warming. I'm concerned about global chilling. In the hearts of men. And it starts with offenses that we don't learn to put under the blood and apply the cross. Are you with me? Wow. Hebrews chapter 12. Just look there for a moment. I've shared this verse a few weeks ago, but I want to look at it again. Hebrews chapter 12. And then again, I said, I'm just going to give you a few of these verses and just show you the power of forgiveness or unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is powerful, guys, and we don't want that. I don't want it to degrade my heart. We're talking about born-again, spirit-filled people whose hearts can degrade to that level. I don't want that. How about you? But it all starts. How does it start? Somebody tell me again. An offense that, that you turn into becoming offended. I don't want that to be the address of my life, of my heart. Yes? And let me tell you, offenses come because we have higher expectations on people. We expected more of them. Okay. Uh, I can't believe they did that. Believe it. I said believe it. Let me ask you a question. Does any born again spirit filled person you know not have flesh? How many of them have flesh? Till they go to heaven, they all have flesh. So, do you have flesh? And can you wake up in the morning and and act in the flesh? Okay. So, listen, guys. Yeah, our leaders and different things. We ought to expect more of them. But here's the deal. You know. The bottom line is on the on that day that you stand before the Lord, nobody else is going to stand between you and you and the Lord. And if you let a hypocrite stand between you and God right now, that hypocrite li- listen, 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 that hypocrite's closer to God than you are. You've empowered that hypocrite to become closer to God than you. <laughs> I understand there's hypocrites. There's hypocrites in every field and every, everything else. But you know what? I'm going to stand before the Lord and I'm, going to, I'm not going to let offenses that come to me cause me to become offended. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. He doesn't want us, see, if, when offenses come, it does wound us, okay? It does cause us to, you know, uh, be a little slower in our walk, but I, he, does, he wants us to be healed, not dislocated. See, a, a becoming offended and holding on to unforgiveness dislodges us from unity, The very thing we need the most in the body is the love and unity of the body. It's what what Salah felt today and when when Aubrey came to his house and what he felt in the the church today. It's the love of God. If you allow allow an offense to come and and to lodge in your heart and become unforgiveness in your heart, then that will dislodge you from unity and that unity actually actually brings you a measure of grace that will heal you the very thing that you're thinking about <clears throat> yielding to you know because of that hurt and that wound it dislodges you from unity looking carefully it said in verse 15 lest anyone fall short of the grace of god how many of you don't want to fall short of the grace of god he's telling you how Guys, by not allowing yourself to be dislocated or become offended because an offense comes. Yes? Yes. Or uh, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and then many become defiled. Unless we process our injustices and offenses in a Christ-like way from the cross... A single wounding of our soul can create a deep bitterness within us and poison our life spring that others drink from. How many of you ever drank from somebody's poison, bitter, cynical, you know, and that wasn't the way they always were. Can I tell you what happened? An offense came and they became offended. Now they're degrading down. Listen, guys, they're allowing themselves to be dislodged from unity. Don't you allow yourself to be dislodged from the body because they did. Yes? Rather than truly forgiving and surrendering their injustices to God, many Christians, what they do is suppress their anger. Anger is a result of a perceived injustice or a violation. How many of you have ever been violated or had somebody do something that wasn't right to you? How many of you? And, and even if it's a Christian, how many of you have had Christians do something that wasn't right, it wasn't fair? You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> I know Paul and Patsy and Janice and I went through an involuntary church plant a few years ago. A few Christians did things they shouldn't do. And I was complaining to the Lord, you know, one time... <laughs> Said, so Lord, my worship leader took a third of my congregation. Went down the street, started another church. Lord said, Don't worry about it, son. My worship leader took a third of my congregation too. <laughs> but when when an injustice happens. Okay, and and we want you know what happens when an injustice happens? Something that people do to you, or don't do for you, or something happened. It was un, it was it was they they violated a boundary in your life or whatever. Then you want you want things to be fair, right? You want it to be you want to, you want there to be resolution. You want you want justice, right? But then it doesn't always happen the way that you want. So you know what happens? We suppress anger, and anger suppressed becomes bitterness, which really is is, which really is si- simply this. In reality, it's unfulfilled revenge. And the Bible says, "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. But but look, if you if you if you explode, in a, like this at, at a moment's notice, and you don't know why, can I tell you why? You've you've tolerated uh, anger and bitterness in your soul because of something that happened in your past. That you wanted you wanted justice and you wanted to be fair, but the reason why you're holding on to that is because you're taking God's place. You're trying to exact revenge through your anger, and now you become a false prophet. Yeah, you've got a voice, but now your voice is perverted. We can't afford, guys, to let bitterness take root in our hearts. It, defi- it, it troubles us and it defiles many. Vengeance is the Lord's. Look, I don't know people that have done me wrong. And I look, I, I could compare my war wounds with most of you and I'd win as far as having more of them things done, said, wrong about us and all kinds of things, but you know what? I don't have the smell of smoke on me. And I'm not living. I am not living in, a, in the address called becoming offended. I'm not living in a place of offense. I'm not letting root of bitterness in my soul. Not for you, not for anybody else. Amen? Because vengeance belongs to the Lord, not me. I'm not objective enough, and neither are you. Objective enough to exact justice, we'd mess it up. I said we'd mess it up. Now I have the airport in sight. Okay, we're we're going to come in for a landing here in a moment. (laughs) Where are you at? You're my buddy. Keep flying, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Listen, we, if we want a sound heart that, that, that uh, expands the boundaries and borders of our life to whatever God has for us, we can't tolerate unforgiveness, guys. Not one area of unforgiveness. Not one. Are you listening to me? You know what? Vengeance isn't mine, and it's not yours, it's God's. So you know what? You need to get rid of that anger. because That anger is simply saying this. I'm reserving the right to exact justice. You're not wise enough to do that. You're not smart enough to do that. You'd mess things up, wouldn't you? Remember Naomi? Naomi, in the, in the book of Ruth, Naomi's husband... And took Naomi and her two sons, and they went into the land of. They left Israel, their place of inheritance, in a time of famine, and they went into the place of Moab. And in the place of Moab, they, they, um, uh, she lost her husband and her two sons. Remember, and she's blaming God, but it was her husband's stupid decision that got that to leave where he was supposed to be and not believe God. And and that got them into trouble, but Naomi, after the loss of her husband and two sons, she returned to Israel with her daughter-in-law Ruth and announced, "Do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, bitter, for the Lord, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me." Ruth one twenty. Naomi was embittered by her loss, blaming God, even though it was her husband's decision. To leave their land of promise that led to their premature death. There's nothing pleasant about bitter people. They spew it whenever and upon whomever they contact. They're trapped in a time warp of their pain. Ruth 121, the Lord has brought me back empty. In other words, my sorrow and pain is God's fault. Now contrast Naomi with Job's life and his loss. He lost both his family and his possessions yet he bowed and worshipped. How we handle sorrow and loss and injustice reveals the depth of our worship of God. When life cuts us, do we bleed bitterness or worship? You remember Paul when this family in our church and they lost their daughter in, in this terrible accident. In fact, Paul flew the the, the parents to New Mexico to to, uh, to take I think to pick up the daughter and, and so on. And and uh, in the middle the story was I wasn't in the airplane but in the middle of that air in the middle of that airplane he just lost his daughter. He knelt down in the middle of Paul's airplane and worshiped. Just worshipped. Just worshiped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How we respond to injustices done to us reveals the depth of our worship, guys. Hebrews 12 15 reveals that bitterness will defile others, trouble us, and cause us to come short of the grace of God. I don't want to do that. Do you? Amen? I don't want to do that. What do we need to do? Real simple. Forgive. I said, forgive. Are right, you listening to me? Forgive. We we already read it. We already read it there. For, forgive. Be tender-hearted. Ephesians four thirty-two. Forgive. Now Luke Luke twenty-three thirty-four tells us how to forgive, and then and then we 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 we're landing right now. Don't don't disembark yet, but we are landing. And we'll, we'll get you to the terminal in just a moment. But look at this. Look at two more verses. Luke 23, 34 tells us how to forgive. Luke 23, 34. Jesus on the cross. See, Ephesians 4, 32 says we're to forgive even as God in Christ forgave us. So how did, how did He forgive us? While we were yet sinning. You don't wait for somebody to ask forgiveness. It's while they're yet while they're yet sinning against you, you forgive. It's it's looking at Jesus' model. Look at at Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, From the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think about that offender in your life, that person that violated you. Maybe you're a young lady or maybe you're you're older and, and you were abused. You were molested. You were you know, gone through, maybe you were abandoned. I don't know. But think about that person. That that person that did you such an injustice. See, Jesus looked down through the annals of time and he saw that person. He saw you, but he also saw that person. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, we could go into detail. We could, we could argue and say, well, listen, Jesus was forgiving people. What do you mean, Jesus they don't know what they're doing they just hung you on a cross they just nailed they just nailed your hands and your feet you're an innocent man they put you up on a cross they they trade they exchange you for a murderer barabbas and yet and, and they're, they they don't they're your people and they didn't recognize you they turned their backs on you and and all of your disciples even but but John left Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Spiritually, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm not going to allow somebody who's walking through life who doesn't have a clue spiritually what they're doing to rob me spiritually of God's inheritance for me. I'm not going to empower another person who doesn't spiritually know what they're doing to keep me from my spiritual inheritance. I'm not going to do it. And yet that's what we do all the time. We sang it this morning about no limits and no boundaries, but unforgiveness establishes those in our heart. And it stops us dead in our tracks. And you can sing that and hold on to unforgiveness and you're not going anywhere. forgive them. You 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 forgive them from the cross. Look at one more verse. One more verse, and then I'm done. Is this okay this morning? Yes. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. And verse 23. Exodus 15 verse 23. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness. Of sure, and they, they went there three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were what? They were bitter. For there the name of, was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made what? Sweet. What do we need to do to really forgive? We forgive from the cross. The tree was a type of the cross that if we will apply to the bitter waters of our soul can cause bitterness in our soul to become sweet. Yes? James 3.11 says we're either producing sweet water or bitter. Which one are you spewing from your fountain? You and I don't have a horror story so bad that gives us the right to reject the power of the cross and the power of the blood to stay bitter. You and I don't have that kind of story. Nobody's done something so bad to you. Now understand... I, I'd, if I listen to you, I, I could tell you, yeah, that's bad, that's bad. That wasn't right. That I agree that's not fair. Like I tell my children, oh, God is good, but life isn't fair. Right. But I could tell you some things that people have done to me, and you, and you, would, you would have to say, in fact, we went, Pastor took Janice and I to, um, to Andrew's Ministers Conference after we were going through all this involuntary church plant. People writing letters about us, all kinds of things, you know, and, uh, and all, kind, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, when he, when he took us there, we'd gone through a $9 million lawsuit that precipitated the church split. It was a frivolous lawsuit over a counseling thing. And anyway, it got dropped later. But uh, So we're telling our testimony. Pastor invited us and took us up there. And we were telling our testimony about going through a church split, a $9 million lawsuit and a church split. I mean, it, you know, it was, it was on the front page of the Wise County Messenger. Uh, pastors and churches sued for $9 million. They called me the $9 million man. My daughter my daughter looked at, at the read the newspaper. She says, Daddy, I didn't know you had $9 million. Let's go Amen, let's go shopping. Anyway, but... After we ter- shared the testimony at Andrew's minister's conference, several ministers got up and said, you know what, I was going to ask for prayer, but I don't- after listening to your problem, I don't have one. <laughs> but listen, guys, here's the truth. No matter what your problem is, no matter how bad people have abused you, no matter, I mean, and I could tell you stories of people of abuse and all this, but let me tell you something. There's none of that is any greater than what Jesus did for you. It's not Corey Tinboom, Do you know the story of Corey Tenboon? Her her parents and her family—they they they harbored uh, Jewish people during the you know Nazi, uh, where they were bringing people from Poland into the Nazi uh, concentration camps, and they harbored Jewish people and hid them. And then one of those people, uh, you know, got paid and 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 told them about. She lost her she lost her parents. She lost her sister. And God gave her grace to forgive and pray for those guards that killed her sister. Awesome. I know a story of uh, this couple had their only son. On his, um, I think it was on his graduation night, he's driving home and another young teenage Driver, drunk driver, ran a, ran the light, stoplight, and t boned him, and it, their son was killed. This other drunk teenager was put in jail. He was seventeen or something, and so he was in jail for for, for you know three years, two or three years. And this this couple was grieving. So you can you can understand the loss. It was their only son, and finally. The Lord took him to these verses that I'm sharing with you. Jesus said, what are you going to do about what I've done for him, this, this other teenage boy? My, my, my cross and my blood applies to his sin too. They started riding this boy in jail. They went to visit him. And they said, you know, we've lost a son, but now we've gained another. And they adopted this boy as their son. They forgave him and he became part of their family. Listen guys, the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. There's no amount of hurt. There's no amount of injustice. There's no amount of what anyone's done to you or didn't do for you. That's greater than what Jesus did. Amen. We, we can't We can't exact judgment or justice. That's not our job. You know what our job is? Forgive. Forgive. Even that one, even that one. Amen. Even that one that did, did us so wrong. And I'm telling you guys I'm standing here's a test testimony. The Lord's healed this boy. Man, I mean I can go I could tell you story after story of how God has healed my heart and kept us pure. You know what? Now my heart and my life is fulfilling the boundaries and the inheritance that God has for me. But it's because it's because I do not I treat unforgiveness and offense like it's a like it's a rabid dog. I'm not renting space in my heart for one moment to unforgiveness. Amen. Now we've landed. We're, we're at the terminal. Let me ask you a question. If you're here today, and you know God's dealing with your heart, and you and you're ready to you're ready to a, Value the cross greater than your loss and apply the cross to the bitter waters of your soul and forgive that person. And here's what I mean by forgiveness you apply the cross and the blood to their life, then you release them, you release them from whatever you think they owe you, even if it's an apology then you pray for them and bless them. If you're you're willing and ready to do that, then I want you just to stand right where you are. Just stand up. Be bold. God gives grace to the humble. Be bold. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the power of forgiveness, Father. Father, first of all, if there's anyone else, if you need to stand up, you're, you're, you're forgiven. So You're going to release someone. You're going to apply the cross. You're going to value the cross greater than your loss. Apply it to their life and to the bitter waters of your soul. You're going to trust God with the justice that needs to be exacted in that situation. Amen? If that's you, stand up. You know who you are. Praise God. Anyone else? All right, put one hand on your heart, one hand to heaven where your help comes from. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for placing greater value on my pain and my loss than on what you've done for me at the cross. Forgive me for unconsciously holding on to unforgiveness and trying to exact justice. It's not my job. I give that to you. And I want you to name that person's name and say, Lord, I forgive. And say, say their name. Say their name. Say, Lord, I forgive them. And, and Lord, I apply the blood of Jesus and the cross to their life. I declare... They're forgiven. I release them from any debt I think they owe me. Name their name again. Say, tell their name, say, you you owe me nothing. And Father, I bless them today. I pray for them that they would find the same freedom that I have. I now apply the cross to the bitter waters of my soul. No more bitterness. No more offense. No more unforgiveness. I'm free in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for healing. I pray, Father, their emotions will line up with their decision, Father, but they will not give credibility to their emotions above their decision. And and Father, whether they feel like it or not, Father, I'm praying that forgiveness become rooted in their heart instead of bitterness, in Jesus' name. And they they come back into the body, and Father, they once again be healed. They're not dislocated or dislodged, but Father, they're whole, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. One more thing, one more thing. Listen, 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 listen. Okay, your, your emotions... When you think about what that person did to you, if you think about it very long, your emotions will belie the decision you just made. So you can't give authority to your emotions. You wake up tomorrow and you, feel, you still feel anger toward that person. Don't agree with those emotions that you didn't forgive. Say, I forgave. And I That person, and they're forgiven, and my emotions will get in line with it later. In Jesus' name, amen? We'll give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah.